All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. Tired, you guys. Introducing Judge Napolitano. In a role reversal, he interviews me all the time. I return the favor once in a while. And I got some questions. So welcome to the show, Judge. How are you? Uh, it's always a pleasure uh, to work with you, Scott. No matter who's doing the questioning or the answering. Oh, good. Uh, well, I'm always very happy to talk to you, too. And I'm very interested in, well, obviously everyone is very interested in the case against Donald Trump here for retaining classified documents. Sounds like maybe a trumped up political type of a charge because of who he is and his station in the world and as a declared candidate and all of that. But I see you have a piece here saying that the Justice Department has a pretty clear cut case against him, you think, huh? You know, uh, I was surprised at the um, strength of the case. Uh, even uh, Professor uh, Dershowitz, who was one of Trump's lawyers in the first impeachment, had a piece in the uh, Wall Street Journal this week expect, uh, expressing the same surprise. Uh, you know the old phrase, when you strike at the king, you must kill him. So if you're going to go after a former president, uh, you better have a lot of very strong evidence. They put far more in the indictment than they are required to, and they have a lot of very strong evidence, and nearly all of it is out of the mouth of Trump himself uh, or people that work for him. These are not uh, anti-Trump, never-Trump uh, malcontents or Democrats that fear him. That, that may have been the motivation for initially investigating, but this is a very, very serious case that could easily have been resolved civilly, but Trump chose not to do so because of an obstinate and not well-grounded at all in the law insistence that these documents are his personal property, which under the law, unfortunately for him, they're not. All right. So in the article right away, you make a distinction between any old classified documents and these specific ones that are national defense information, including reportedly, do we know this or at least the government is claiming, including plans for a war with Iran. So he doesn't, um, well, he, he did apparently say Iran on this tape, but on the version uh, of the transcript of the tape, including in the indictment, they have um, blocked the name of the country and the author of the uh, plans. Uh, we know from somebody who was in the room that the author of the plans was none other than General Mark Milley, the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who authored it reluctantly. He wasn't advocating uh, a war with Iran, but Trump asked for plans. Uh, and we know from somebody in the room that the country is Iran. So how did this come about? Trump was actually doing a very generous thing, which I never heard of any president doing. He was sitting for an oral history where you just talk out loud, Q&A, not for himself, but for his former 
Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, who's writing uh, a biography of Mark's 10 months as Trump's last chief of staff. So Meadows' uh, ghostwriter, two people from the publisher, not Meadows, President Trump, uh, two assistants of President Trump are all sitting at a conference table uh, at his home and golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey, having a freewheeling Q&A uh, about uh, his uh, last 10 months in office, which was tumultuous, as you know. Uh, and he pulls out a piece of paper and says, oh, by the way, here are plans that uh, General Milley gave me to invade uh, Iran. They're still secret. I could have declassified them. That's wrong under the law, which I'll explain in a minute. But he said, I could have declassified them, but I didn't. They're still secret. And then one of the aides says, I guess we have a problem. And he said, isn't that interesting? And then they move on uh, to something else. Now, how do I know this? This was excerpted in the, um, in the, tr in the uh, indictment. So it shows awareness, knowledge of the possession of the documents. This is an element the government has to prove. It can now prove it. Yeah. But your honor, your honor, my client is not a lawyer. He's a real estate tycoon and he doesn't know what he's talking about. Of course, he declassified it once he ordered his subordinates to move it down to Florida when he was still the president. And so just because he said that, all that proves is that he's ignorant of the law. He's the president of the United States. He can declassify whatever he wants. Well, he can't declassify uh, NDI, which is national defense information. Now, the government charged them with keeping uh, 37 uh, documents, 32 were NDI, five were uh, classified and never declassified by him. Well, uh, now so the government very shrewdly avoided the issue of did he declassify them or did he not declassify them? Could he declassify them or could he not? NDI is always NDI and it can't be declassified. So and I'll tell you what NDI is. It's National Defense Information. That's what the letters stand for. Uh, and it typically explains the strengths and weaknesses of the United States military. Now, here are two people talking and don't even believe we should have a standing military, but we do. <laughs> so it it uh, explains the strengths and weaknesses of the U.S. military, the strengths and weaknesses of a foreign military, and the sources of the conclusions of those strengths and weaknesses. That is uh, always and everywhere unlawful to possess outside of a secure federal facility, no matter who you are. If he had taken these documents to Mar-a-Lago while he was still the president, it would have been unlawful to possess because Mar-a-Lago was not a secure federal facility. Even when he was president, it wasn't. We know that. They well, arrested no. a Chinese spy there. Okay, but so I hate to quote Al Gore uh, here, but isn't it right that there's no controlling legal authority higher than the president on whether to decide whether a piece of paper is secret or not? In other words, no, I, uh, no, that is not true. Uh, it is secret if it contains national defense secrets. He can't make that uh, unsecret. And I think he realized that uh, because, you know, this thing. But wait, uh, so, Judge, uh, you're telling me it's in the statute that national defense information can never be declassified even by the president of the United States of America. No, it is not in the statute. The statute doesn't refer to classification because national defense information is not subject to presidential whim. It would be like him declassifying your uh, bank account, and you ask me if that's in the statute. No, it's not in the statute. He just doesn't have the authority to do it. 
Hmm. Okay. Um, so the, you know, when, when the FBI, uh, executed uh, the search warrant on his house last August, uh, he was in New Jersey. They waited for him to be out of the way. Uh, and he learned what was happening because there are 50 security cameras, his own, not, not government surveillance, his own security cameras, Mar-a-Lago is 50,000 square feet. It's enormous. Um, so there were 50 security cameras in there and he saw what was going on. He also had a phone call from one of his own personal security people and they told him what was going on. And he immediately went on Fox and said, Oh, don't worry about it. I declassify that stuff they're looking for. That violates criminal law 101. Never deny before you've been accused. What did that do? That is an acknowledgement that he had the documents. So again, something the government will prove out of his own mouth that these documents in fact were there and he knew what they were, but they sort of tricked him because he believed they were subject to declassification, uh, but uh, all but five of them were not subject to declassification. Now, if we back up a little bit, he did surrender over 300 classified documents. If he had surrendered the remaining five classified and 32 NDI, there'd be no conversation here. And he had lawyers who encouraged him to do that, but he refused to do so. Instead, he had his uh, co-defendant, Waltine Nauda, a former uh, Navy um, butler slash valet at the White House, bonded with the president and who worked with him after he left office, physically move documents and hide them. So there are tapes of Mr. Nauda taking documents out of the uh, storage area. Next day, the feds go in there. The next day, he puts the documents back in. It's when he was uh, subpoenaed before the grand jury, they asked him if he did that. And he said no, forgetting that he was on tape. That's why he was indicted for uh, lying to a grand jury. I guess he forgot that he was under uh, that, that he was uh, on on tape. Um, And then there are other uh, text messages showing that it was Trump personally who asked him uh, to move this stuff. Then the most troublesome for Trump, uh, Scott, is not what he said and not what he said to Walt uh, Nauda, but it's what his lawyers said. Now, what about the attorney-client privilege? How can a lawyer testify against the client? So as you saw in my column, here's uh, attorney-client privilege 101. Lawyer comes into, the client comes into the lawyer's office and says, I expect to be charged with bank robbery. What are my defenses? Okay, you didn't do it. You were a thousand miles away. The money was yours anyway. The bank is crazy. They, they charge you with bank robbery every time they're in there because in there, they don't like the way you smell. You don't remember it. It's an insanity defense. Whatever the defenses could be, that's a privileged conversation that can never be revealed. Or the client comes in and says, I'm about to rob a bank. If I do, what will my defenses be? That conversation is not privileged because that is the client using legal advice to perpetrate a fraud or a crime. That's what a federal judge found Trump did. So he tells lawyer A, and we know who this is, um, tell the grand jury that uh, we gave them everything. I don't have any more Uh, documents that they're looking for. Lawyer A is smart enough not to do it himself. He tells lawyer B, she signs a statement under oath 
swearing that there are no more documents in the house. Then, of course, the FBI executes the search warrant and finds the documents. Well, when that happened, the feds subpoenaed lawyer A and his notes. He moved to quash the subpoena. Uh, Trump joined the motion. The federal judge had a secret trial, secret because it pertains to grand jury materials. Everybody but Trump testified. The federal judge at the end of the trial found that Trump lied to his own lawyers. Therefore, the crime fraud exception to the attorney-client privilege uh, pertains. He used his lawyers to perpetrate a fraud in the FBI and a crime on the grand jury by inducing one of them uh, to commit perjury. So when lawyer A Well, that's not exactly the same as asking your lawyer how to get away with robbing a bank, is it? Does well, that precedent you, apply? I'm giving, I'm giving you the first year law school example sure. of how the attorney-client privilege works. Of course, it's not the same. No, no two uh, examples are the same. Um, so when that lawyer, whose name is Evan Corcoran, uh, was testifying before the grand jury, he says, by the way, the president uh, told me to take these documents to my my uh, hotel room and make sure they disappear. Now that's the basis for conspiracy to uh, obstruct justice. So back to your original question, the evidence against him is so strong. It doesn't come from Democrats who hate him. It comes from people that he employed, people he trusted, people who worked for him or his own mouth. That's why this uh, indictments so startled people like Alan Dershowitz and me. Listen, I love the guy. He sent me a message last week. Love you and miss you. How startling is that? I've been his friend for 37 years, but I have to be intellectually honest when uh, appraising this. I'm not saying that I would charge him with this if I were the attorney general. I'm just saying the charges as framed are powerful. Mm -hmm. The evidence as presented is overwhelming. The defenses available are limited. Where do we go? To a trial, I guess. Yeah. Well, folks, sad to say, they lied us into war. All of them. World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq War I, Serbia, Afghanistan, Iraq War II, Libya, Syria, Yemen. All of them. But now you can get the ebook, All the War Lies, by me for free. Just sign up for the email list at the bottom of the page at scotthorton.org or go to scotthorton.org slash subscribe. Get all the war lies by me for free. And then you'll never have to believe them again. Hey, y'all, Scott here. Let me tell you about Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, Inc. Who knew? Artificial bank credit expansion leads to price inflation and terribly distorted markets. If you've got any savings left at all, you need to protect them. Need to put some, at least, into precious metals. Well, Roberts and Roberts can set you up with the best deals on silver, gold, platinum, and palladium. And they've been doing this since 1977. Hey, if you just need some sound advice about sound money, they're there for you, too. Call Tim Fry and the guys at 800-874-9760. That's 800-874-9760. Or check them out at rrbi.co. That's rrbi.co. You'll be glad you did. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. 
Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. All right, now, I know this isn't your expertise, Judge, but as you're telling this story, I have to wonder, what the hell is going on down at Donald Trump's country club where he's decided to keep these documents specifically, where he's got these ridiculous shenanigans going on? Go hide this in your hotel room. I mean... How compelling is the evidence? That's really true. A guy testified to that. We know an indictment is still just one-sided. How much of this is really demonstrated in the indictment? And look, I understand that we're talking about Donald Trump, and he makes very strange decisions a lot of times. Uh, You know, felony stupidity, I think, would be one way to put it. I mean, here he's not harming anyone. He's not committing a crime, but he's committing the ultimate offense against the national security state. That he knows hates him. You said that if you come at the king, you better not miss. Hell, they don't care about that. They pretended to investigate him for treason for three years. You know, he knows how bad they have it in for him. And he's just walking right into a buzzsaw here. What the hell? You know, uh, if you know him as I do, you know that he's a very headstrong person who rarely takes advice from his lawyers. He had a team of lawyers who have since resigned, who told him that they could work out uh, deals with the DOJ and with the um, National Archives, which would have resolved this as a civil dispute. Then he had another team of lawyers who persuaded him, this is not you, this is not your personality, you got to fight this tooth and nail. Now, as a result of taking that very poor advice, um, he's facing likely prison time. Is there anything to substantiate, to answer your question, uh, what this uh, lawyer, Evan Corcoran, told uh, the grand jury? I'm sorry to say there is. Uh, Mr. Corcoran took almost verbatim notes in shorthand, and the government has all of those notes uh, in shorthand and, uh, and translated. Yeah. Well, and now so about him going to prison. I mean, it is pretty unprecedented that they would bring these charges. And, uh, okay, I admit I didn't read the article, but I saw a tweet that said that Andrew McCarthy, the former federal prosecutor, wrote in the uh, National Review that Biden himself had to sign off on the Justice Department making this a criminal matter and calling the grand jury together and all these kinds of things. And I guess the idea is that Like Bill Clinton and George Bush and Barack Obama, Donald Trump should remain above the law. Presidents can do whatever they want. When the president does it, that means it's not illegal, said Richard Nixon, who, yeah, was forced to resign from office. But but look at the rest of these guys, and I know they call it whataboutism, but it seems pretty strange that this guy is actually going to be brought to the dock here. I don't know. Sounds pretty crazy. Well, you know, I know and I like Andy McCarthy, but I, I disagree with him that Biden uh, would have had to have signed uh, off on this. I don't know if Biden did. I don't know what the relationship is between Biden and Attorney General uh, Garland. 
But under the law, Garland uh, is the only one uh, who um, who needs to sign off on this. Okay. Well, I should have read that article before I went bringing it up to the judge in court. <laughs> should have known that was going to get overruled. Um. All right. So, what else do we know about the documents other than these uh, supposed Iran war plans? That's a very interesting question. Is the uh, government going to show the documents to the jury and thereby expose the secrets that the government says is secret? Well, there's a federal statute uh, that addresses this. I, I hate the statute. I think it's unconstitutional, but it does uh, allow uh, a federal judge to examine the documents in secret with uh, prosecutors and defense counsel and the defendant there and then conclude as a matter of law that they are um, NDI and, and that relieves the government from the obligation of demonstrating to a jury that they are NDI. Now, if the defendant wants to challenge that they're NDI, normally that challenge would be done in secret so that the the I of the NDI, whatever the information is, so I'll give you an example. So-and-so, a member of the Revolutionary Guard, is also an asset of the CIA. And while being a lieutenant colonel in the Revolutionary Guard, he has been paid a half a million a year to provide us with information about the Ukraine or about the Iranian military capabilities. Now, if that information were to get out, you can only imagine without getting graphic what would happen to the so-and-so. That's the level, according to the government, uh, of the NDI uh, secrecy. Mm -hmm. Would that be exp uh, shown to a jury? Probably not. The jury would risk, uh, the feds would risk losing the case before showing something like that to a jury. That's why they'll go through this procedure whereby a federal judge sees it, the defendant challenges it, the federal judge uh, rules. Mm -hmm. That's for the gray male. That's how they deal with the gray male defense, right? That's how Ali North was uh, uh, acquitted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now it really does sound like, I mean, I don't know Trump as well as you do. I only know him from the TV judge, but it seems like you know, he probably wasn't going to sell the stuff to Israel. They have it all anyway. Really, oh, all I he was going to do was I just... I can't imagine he was going to sell it. That's the Rosenberg's case. That elevates this to death penalty case. Uh, and there's no allegation uh, of that at all. Knowing him as I do, uh, I think he can't accept or tolerate the reality that he lost the election to Joe Biden and he wants to surround himself with as many trappings of the presidency as he can. And I think he enjoyed the type of, uh, hey, look at what I have here, plans to uh, invade Iran, just like I was still president, I have this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, I, I think it was vanity and boastfulness. I don't think it was uh, trading, traitorous. Yeah. And that's the thing is what a trivial thing, right? Is just for because it makes him sort of giggle and giddy to be able to you, you have know, this Scott, status. I hate to say this, but I said it in the article. He is often his own worst enemy because he uh, he believes the the advisors he's been speaking to last 
and he believes the political side of the advisors who show him as a macho man mm-hmm. rather than the more sensible ones who can tell him uh, how to get out of it. You know, well, the, can you the go back lawyer, to could the, you lawyer detail- whom he, the lawyer to whom he said, uh, take this to your hotel room, said, I'm not going to touch it. I can't touch it. I don't I can't put my fingers on it. I don't have a national security clearance and neither do you, Mr. President. Yeah. I'm sorry. Could you take us one more time through how many different opportunities they gave him to give up these documents before they actually started moving to indict him? Well, I don't know, but it's at least three or four. Uh, first, very amicably in a letter from the um, see the National Archives keeps a record of everything that comes into the White House. So they know everything that comes and everything that comes out. So they know if the lists don't match. Uh, the first letter resulted in 15 boxes uh, from Mar-a-Lago going uh, back to the National Archives. And in there was um, NDI. Now, the National Archives people can't touch NDI. They didn't know what the hell to do with it. They called the FBI. The FBI went over to the National Archives. They couldn't touch it. The FBI called other FBI agents who do have national security clearances, and they picked it up, and they brought it to FBI headquarters, and they examined it, and they realized what it was. And that resulted in a letter from the DOJ to Trump asking for more. He sent in more. They checked with the the National Archives. It still wasn't everything. That resulted in the... Uh, opening up of a criminal investigation. They explained all this to a grand jury. The grand jury sent a subpoena. That's when the shenanigans started. Take it out of the storage room, move it in, move it out, take it to your hotel room. What happens if we just tell them we don't have it? They're not going to break into my house. That kind of a conversation. Um, That resulted in the lawyers saying, in in response to what the government says is Trump's lies, you have everything. That resulted in the FBI execution execution of the uh, search warrant. So there were probably, depending on how you count them, three or four opportunities to cure this. There was an opportunity to cure it as recently as a few weeks ago before the grand jury voted to indict. I don't know what the terms of the cure were, but uh, whatever they were, Trump uh, rejected them. The indictment came out. The lawyers who negotiated the cure resigned this is another problem what's that he the has cure to. again now can you yeah i don't i don't know oh but you're, uh, that's essentially of, that just means an offer like a compromise a plea deal yeah some sort of a resolution of this on the civil side i see he probably would have had to have admitted that he took the stuff but he's not admitting a crime um uh and if he had the done lawyers that resigning the lawyers it, resigning is a very serious issue because in this case, there are more than one million pages of uh, documents. He now has nobody on his team familiar with those. So, and he doesn't even have a new uh, legal team. So he, um, uh, his, his new lawyers are going to have to start from scratch. One last question was, if he had resolved that, on that cure a couple of weeks ago on the civil side, that would have short circuited the criminal case probably then. Yes. But it would have impaired his ego because he would had to have admitted it was not criminally, but civilly uh, that the documents were not his. They belonged to the government. Man. Now I haven't seen the terms of the cure. I've only 
read about it in, in open sources. Mm. All right. Well, what a story. Thank you, Judge, so much for your time. Really appreciate all your insight. Oh, my pleasure, my man. Talk to you soon. All the best. All right, you guys, that's Judge Andrew Napolitano. Watch the show Judging Freedom every day on YouTube. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio, can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. APSradio.com, antiwar.com, scotthorton.org, and libertarianinstitute.org.